one. Hi, everybody. Welcome back again to Simeo's uh, Coffee Talks, where every Wednesday we invite the industry's leading experts to answer your burning questions about various topics. On this week's uh, chat, we invite two industry professionals who are starting their own podcast around leadership. So we'll be asking questions around leadership, corporate leadership and managerial courage. Um, the way that you ask your questions on the Vimeo link to submit there and I will read aloud to the guests. If we don't get to your questions today, don't worry. We do publish a blog on our human website uh, found on simeosolutions.com. Uh, and if uh, it's a specific question, we will reach out to you directly. Um, we've had some really good content over the last few weeks that has been specifically around IAM. But today, uh, we dive into corporate leadership and managerial courage um, in respect to all walks of life. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce Randy Fields, who you all know, if you're familiar with Simeo Coffee Talks, because he's usually my go-to guy uh, for interviews. And then we've got Jim Gesman joining us. He's the Chief Security Officer over at Asherion. Um, and even though he's a Cleveland Browns fan, uh, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Y'all be the judge. Um, I will hand it over to to the gentleman now. Open it up with uh, an overall. What is your definition of corporate leadership and managerial courage, and what it means to you? To give the audience um, the chance to submit their questions and kind of wrap their heads around the topic. So, um, since Jim, you are our special guest today, I'll let you go ahead and kick it off. Well, you know, it, thank you. Appreciate the the uh, <laughs> the introduction, especially about my beloved Cleveland Browns. Um, maybe that's why I have a lifetime in security. I'm a big fan of lost causes. Not quite sure. Could be it. Um, you know, the managerial courage and the corporate leadership are, are very interesting topics and one that I've, I've spent a number of years focusing on. Um, really understanding, you know, leadership in, in its conceptual stage is really about getting a group of people or a small group of people motivated to a common goal, right? Getting them from point A to point B and believing and engaging in, in activities to, to get the desired end. Um, it, it, there's a different facet to it though, right? You'll hear, you'll see your LinkedIn memes talking about how getting people engaged or people don't leave companies, they leave managers, they leave leaders, right? And that leadership element is so important if you're going to be effective and maintain effectiveness. If you've read some of the books like Good to Great, um, they'll talk about that engagement level and how getting over that hump from just being good to being great requires a special kind of leadership. So I think there's uh, an element in there in that leadership rather than just, you know, screaming at the kids to get out of the pool, as being that kind of leader to being one that gets them to engage and understand and really be a part of that common goal um, beyond just the money, beyond maybe a trinket or two or a special award, but really getting that belief. And it takes leaders, um, and I don't think born leaders, I think trained and skilled leaders to be able to get people to engage and understand. Um, I think there's a second half to it, and I'm actually going to hand it over to Randy, um, that builds into the leadership part about courage. That I think a leader is is definitely a big part of being a leader. Yeah, and, and courage, you know, courage, you say these words like like leadership and courage, and it, it invokes different things in different people's minds depending upon our background and our personal history. Um, you know, to add to Jim's leadership comment, leadership's the ability to influence other people to do more than they could have done on their own. 
That's really what it is. The ability to influence other people to do more than they thought they could do or could have done on their own. Leadership is a force multiplier. And because you exist as a leader, this team or this person was able to do a multiple percentage more because you were there in their life or involved in that project or, or product. Courage is the ability to act on your beliefs despite uh, danger or disapproval. And most common in, uh, in corporate America is it's disapproval. It's really not danger. Um, uh, danger as in, you know, like physical danger. Uh, you might have job danger uh, as any leader does as they, as they decide to step out and courage. But, uh, but disapproval, I think, is, is the one thing that, that as leaders you have to rise up against and, and, and work uh, against because that anxiety, that fear, stops you from taking action and it will short circuit your ability to lead and you can lead from any position in the organization anyone can be a leader anyone can display courage um, and and that's one thing i think we need to touch on is is that those traits are learnable and and they're both you need the ability to lead and you need the ability to have courage to be a manager of people yeah, you know, it, I, I read a quote, and I love this one, is that as a, a coward is a hero with a family and a mortgage, right? And it, it, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but you, the whole courage side that I, that I like or, or really like to analyze, it's, it's wrapped, it's that fear with a purpose, right, and the action in order to get to that purpose. And you wrap that all up in a, in a risk management equation, and that defines sort of courage, right? What is the thing I need to do? And is, is the thing I'm scared of, whether it's disapproval or loss of a job or something like that, worth taking that action? Is the purpose worth taking the action based on the on the risk that I'm running? Uh, and there are times where that equation is much more emotional. It's actually more times. That equation is significantly emotional and not necessarily rational. Right, there are people who say, "Well, I, in a meeting, I would speak up, but I'm afraid, you know, the the CEO would fire me." Mm -hmm. It's incredibly rare for a CEO to go, "You've said something I like, you're gone." But there could be longer term implications. So finding that courage um, is difficult. And then the way that a lot of people and I have in my career stand up to that is to do it incrementally. Find smaller bits of courage. There becomes a, a, I'll call it a credibility bank of courage, right? Each time mm -hmm. you take a small stand or something or, or refute something, it builds up your credibility and builds up your courage. So maybe that risk isn't as great and you are more apt to take the big step when you need to. Yeah, it's a learned trait for sure. You can learn it mm -hmm. and you can hone it and develop it. Definitely. I completely agree to that. Um, so we've got our first audience question, um, and I don't think I brought it up this time, guys, but as always, all of your questions are anonymous, so don't feel like you're going to get called out. Um, if you feel comfortable saying the company you're at, the position you're in on this one, totally fine. If not, no worries. Um, but our first question is from Amber. Um, she's finding herself in a new leadership role for the first time, and she's wondering how or where do I start being uh, a leader? And what does that mean to you? So you guys probably already covered a bit of the second bit, but I'll let Jim go ahead and uh, dive into this first part. Yeah, you know, the place where I start is being authentic. Be you. Um, don't try and be somebody you're not, right? And when you do, you know, people, people aren't nearly as clever as they think they are. 
right? So, you know, if anybody of you've ever raised children, when your your child tries to lie to you, it's so apparent, right? Like, no, I didn't. And they've got <laughs> chocolate all over their face. Hey, we're, we're not that subtle. And humans are pretty good at picking up cues that build over time. So be authentic, be honest, um, and, and have integrity around the things that you're doing. State the common goal. Tell them why you need them to be a part of it. And, and be open and honest about why we need to do certain things. I would, How about you, Randy? Yeah, I would, you know, not only to, to be true to yourself, but but you need to get really good at receiving feedback uh, <laughs> and giving it. Um, I would encourage you to ask for it, to search it out, because as a leader or manager, you're going to get it, <laughs> whether you want it or not. So you better get you better get really strong at receiving feedback, which is really criticism, right? And you're going to get it on your team. You're going to get it on you. And the more feedback you can take, the better you will get at giving it, especially to your team. And the key there is, is don't emotionally react to it. Even if it really angers you or really gets under your skin, don't react to it because you're going to shut down that feedback and you really do want to hear it. I mean, even though you, I don't want to hear it, you really need to hear it. And sometimes that's painful. Um, you know, as a as an airborne infantry squad leader in the U.S. Army, as a football coach, as a church leader, as a business leader, as a technology leader, as a father of five children, and as a husband of 28 years, I got lots of feedback over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, you know. But uh, but most of that, you know, was directed at me as as a leader. But all of it was directed at me personally. So. I had to get really good. You have to get really good and get a little bit of a thick skin on getting feedback. And, you know, one thing you could do, especially if it's your first leadership role, there's a book called The First 90 Days. It's a great read. I, I read it the last three jobs I've moved into, the, the, the first 90 days. And then uh, also know yourself before you can really know others, Amber. I would encourage you to take the Strength Finder uh, assessment by Marcus Buckingham or the standout assessment by Gallup. It helps you know yourself, talk about yourself, accurately represent yourself. And you need to be able to do that before you can really know others and the people that you're leading. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tag on to that. The one resource I would, that changed my career um, is Crucial Conversations. It's a, a book and a class, but you can buy the book and it has work things. And it really drives home the ability to get to shared understanding. And that's one of the biggest parts of leadership. We talk about that common goal, right? Let's get to shared understanding and things like that. Everything that Randy says is right on. And this is just one more layer onto it, Amber. Good luck. Great. And honestly, Randy, I didn't know you were a football coach. As someone who was like kind of a football expert, I'm sure you can give uh, Jim some constructive feedback on his football. I'm a fan of the real Cleveland Browns, which is in Baltimore. Oh, don't even start. <laughs> Well, we only have 30 minutes, so we can't really dive into it now, but y'all can. No, we can't. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> okay. Um, our next question is um, kind of taps into some things that, Randy, you brought up about um, some tough things happening, right? Um, this person is anonymous, and they wanted to know, how do I handle something unexpected or negative within my team? Mm. Well, um, you know, in the face of a, of a storm, you know, that's when you really uh, find out what real leaders are made of. Um, I'll give a, a personal example, you know, and, and um, from my past and then 
Jim might have a few too. Yeah, I got a good one to talk about. Yeah, and closed doors when there are security incidents because when something unexpected or negative happens, that is when you find out how good the leader really is because it's unscripted. It's maybe not happened to them before and how they handle it matters. And, and being able to, to keep your cool and you, know, you can still be vulnerable, fear is human, just like anybody experiences it. But what needs to happen when the storm is raging, um, you know, that's really not the time for the leader to be invisible. The leader has to be visible when something unexpected or negative happens. You got to hear from them, you got to see them. I had a developer one time get arrested over the weekend doing something very bad and wasn't coming back to work on Monday because of it, because they were going to jail and obviously, you know, was losing their job. And and you have to explain that to the team and not just gloss it over, but, you know, you have to be very discreet with some of that, but you also have to be, uh, you know, transparent and visible when, when those things happen. You know, I, especially even in church leadership, I can tell you when something bad happens in somebody's life, somebody dies unexpectedly, you know, you don't have to worry about really what to say. You just got to show up, you know, and leaders do not fold up like a lawn chair and disappear or hide from unexpected or negative consequences. You know, there's a good example in my career um, working for a company, and I'm not going to say who it was, but the CEO, we'll call him Andy, um, was we had a problem. It doesn't matter, but it involved an employee and it was tough, right? There was things that would be good for the company. There was things that would be good for the employee and, and there was risk on both sides. Um, and like every company that, that I've ever worked in, they all had on the wall in the main you know, boardroom, the corporate values. And the number one was do the right thing. And he turned and said, he pointed at it and he said, what's he said, do the right thing. He said, then what's the right thing to do here? And we ended up going, it doesn't matter the direction, but the advice I'll give you is to stick to those core ideals. Find your values, know yourself, and stick to that. People like consistency and they like integrity in their leaders. When you start to lack that, that's when they will lose their trust. And trust is that currency that you as a leader have to you have to deal in. That's where you're going to operate. And once you start to erode trust by not being consistent and not having integrity, your leadership becomes ineffective. Yeah, I like that. Um, we do have another question, guys. Um, and this is kind of, from, I guess, um, a coaching perspective. Um, and I actually really like this question because it's important to know um, how to interact with uh, your team and whatnot um, and effectively, right? So this person asks, in giving feedback to the team, how can leaders best provide feedback in a productive way? You gotta base it in fact, right? Um, it's not, you, you need to make sure that your feedback is, is factual. It needs to be in the moment, not six months later, not 12 months later, you know, in the moment, factual feedback is needed. You know, I go back to coaching, um, you know, when someone's blocking wrong, tackling wrong, you go right to them and you say, OK, you, you did this, you did that. And, and anybody who's worked for me knows I'm, I'm big on in the moment feedback and saying this is what happened, good and bad. Um, and that matters because people forget in the moment. I remember one time we had a horrible loss as a football team and we were down in the end zone and um, everybody was upset. And I just told them, I said, look at the scoreboard. <laughs> just said, look at the scoreboard. 
And here are the three things we're going to work on next week. And thankfully, the next week we won. And the first thing I said was, look at the scoreboard, right? So you got to deal in facts, um, and you need to do it in the moment, I think. Yeah. I, I agree with Randy. I also would add to that that it has to be behavior-oriented, not personality-oriented. So you don't say, Randy, you're a terrible human being, so I'm running you up. You say, Randy, you need to stop you know, throwing things at your coworkers or something like that. And that and the alternative to how to correct that behavior. Maybe don't throw things, maybe stand up and gently call their name or something along those lines. But if you don't give them an avenue to success, they're gonna become frustrated. Just telling somebody that they're, they're terrible performance, you don't sell enough, you don't work hard enough, that's not gonna get you anywhere. A leader provides their people the avenue to succeed. Show them what success looks like. I've heard that from one of my friends recently, and he, since the day I took a job until today, he has said it to me, what does success look like? So if you're gonna give feedback to somebody, here's the behavior I don't want anymore, and here's what success looks like, I think you'll go a long way. It gives people uh, the opportunity to succeed. And that's what they want. Great, well, this kind of leads into that. Um, I'm gonna combine two questions from two different audience members because we're getting a lot of questions today, which is great. Um, so Harshal asks, um, as leaders, what would you say are top five traits to have in a successful leader? And then Jordan asks, how do you identify an upcoming leader? So I guess you guys can, um, can answer that um, in a two-parter. I'll start with you, Jim. Um, so you said top five traits, and then how do you identify a leader? Um, the top five traits, right? <laughs> really, it is about, I, I think the number one is that they understand the vision. Right? They know what the goal, and they've got clarity around it, and they stay focused on that. Um, there is that sort of natural, I won't call it a natural leader, that's not right, but the people who tend to exhibit leadership are the ones to see that when others are drifting, even if they're not a managerial position, they go, hey guys, don't remember, we need to stay focused on X. So mm -hmm. I guess it's understanding your vision, being focused and being willing to communicate that focus to others. Um, it, there are other, other qualities. And if you ever read um, 17 Qualities of a Leader, is that what the name of that book is, Randy? Uh, 21 irrefutable ways of leadership. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know why I get stuck on 17. I like good prime numbers. No, there's another book called the 17 laws of teamwork. That's, that's oh, the one. There it is. Yeah. Um, in there, they talk about charisma and courage and, and all sorts of the qualities. And I think all of them are needed. Uh, you know, the top five, I think is be yourself, stick to the mission and, and have that integrity and authenticity that, that allows you to be a true leader. You know, and, and you look for, you know, how do you develop up and coming leaders? One, they have to, you have to want to be a leader. Here's the worst thing you can do is to take someone who doesn't want to be a leader and make them a leader. Um, when you do that, you get the results you do not want. <laughs> so I would rather always take somebody with the, with the adaptability, with the aptitude to be a leader that's not a leader. Yeah. to take someone who can lead but doesn't want to so one you have you have to have the aptitude to do it and and what are those traits similarly to what jim said you know you got to be able to to have a focus on what the mission is you have to be able to be able to convey that mission communicate that mission to to the people and then rally the people around it and 
that rallying takes on, you know, different, different aspects. Um, and again, I think it's more than five. The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership is a great yeah. book. Read it. It's it a good book. We're not going to say anything, you know, fundamental here. We might say something more funny than fundamental in this. <laughs> but but those those are the things that really matter. Um, trust is so important. Yeah. You know, you, you can't be a liar and be in leadership. You're not going to be a good leader. Yeah. Really not. And even when the truth hurts, you got to be able to say it. Uh, that's more valuable to to anyone else being able to 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 face reality, to be able to look that in the face and say, "Here's where we are," and not convey a false hope, but uh, encourage, but not convey a false hope. You got to be able to do that to lead people. Yeah, you know, you you asked the question, "How do you spot? How do you spot a leader? Where are they?" And a lot of things that Randy said are right there. One of the ones that I always think about, or I keep an eye out, is the people who say we a lot, right? Any leader that's all about me and I, that's a struggle, right? When you say, hey, we can never get there and we got to get the team and we, 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 I tend to perk up a little bit more to go, okay, this is somebody who understands the concept of shared teamwork, right? Of of getting there. And then if they have ideas and um, motivations to get the team there, then maybe there's somebody worth watching. Well, and one other thing as a leader, you got to be able to delegate. I mean, you can't do it all on your own. If if you're if you don't delegate, you're going to burn out. If you can't delegate, you can't you can't lead. And delegation really increases trust. I mean, if you want to talk about employee engagement, increase the trust in the organization, and you do that by by giving a task. I mean, think about it. You get delegated a task by your boss. And it might not be in your job description. It might might even be above it. Right. And how cool is that, that your boss trusts you enough or needs you enough to help them by delegating this task to, to them? So that mutual dependency is key to building trust in teams. Think about a football team. Think about uh, an infantry squad. Everyone has a role to play, and the leader is a role, um, just like all the other roles. And And that's to bring all those things together. You know, I had a conversation about this recently with somebody who, who believed that they are in a zero, you know, no fault tolerance or no no fault environment, and so they're delegating and trusting their their team to do certain things was a little bit of a struggle. And I said, you've got to find the places where they can fail, and give them those tasks so that they can learn to grow. Your your team won't grow unless you trust them with responsibility and give them the opportunity to succeed. If you're constantly you know, making sure everything is perfect, they're not going to grow to where you need them. You, you, can, you as a leader are incumbent upon growing other leaders. That's your job, right? And get them to grow underneath you. And to tie in courage into that, because we talked about courage, you know, managerial courage means you're encouraging your employees to surpass themselves, to be right. successful. It takes courage to depend upon others. You got to be vulnerable. Vulnerability and risk is involved with courage. You got to capitalize on the strengths in your team. You got to help them grow. And when you know that whole old saying, "Rising tides lifts all boats." When the team goes up, everybody goes up to the next level. I like that. I'm a huge fan of servant leadership myself. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, Rudy asks. What do you think are the biggest pitfalls and challenges leaders might face? Mm, hiring friends. <laughs> if, if you hire a good friend that you don't have the, the relationship, you know, mature enough relationship, 
it can tear you apart. I've made the mistake in my career in the past, and it's it's a really difficult lesson. It is. Yeah, you gotta you gotta look past that. You gotta be objective enough to see past it. I actually work for a friend. You know, uh, my boss was was a friend of mine long before I, I worked for him. And we had a couple of crucial conversations about what that looks like, you know, um, because there has to be a, a mutual respect for both. Like, I have to respect that he's a C-level at the company. And even though he's my friend, there's certain ways I don't, I'm not going to talk to him in an open forum. You know, there's, there's mutual respect that goes both ways. But hiring friends, working with friends, both people, not just one, both people have to be mature enough to handle it. And sometimes they're not. I think the, the second pitfall or, or challenge is that um, believing that you you can do it all yourself, right? You are worthless without that team. You are valueless. You literally live to to provide them resources and move obstacles. That's your your goal as a leader, right? Get them the resources they need. And if you start to think that they have no value, well, you're going to find you're standing out on the end of the plank. You know, one, one last thing, and another skill that I learned a lot later in life and the, the younger people listening can make sure they don't make the same mistake I did is to embrace diverse opinion, uh, embrace diverse people. You're going to get a better solution or a product or an outcome. If you do, it will take a little longer to get there, but it'll be worth it because that solution product or outcome is going to be much better. And you got to fight against the lack of diversity on your team. You have to be intentional about creating it. And I'm not just talking about, the sensitive topics of racial and gender and everything. They're just people from diverse backgrounds that can really help. I navigated towards hiring almost all veterans at first, right? And that that was a mistake early on in my career. Uh, I still hire veterans, of course. I've got a soft spot in my heart for it. But I don't, that's not the first thing I look for now. That's good, actually. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because our next question was around that specific topic. You know, how, as a leader, do I encourage and grow a diverse team? It's not just about hiring the people, excuse me, but how do you foster an open environment um, to allow those people to be heard? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Frandy, if you want to take it. No, you go ahead, sir. You know, it's incumbent upon, you know, I say that word incumbent and this part of leadership has a, a metric ton of responsibility. It really does. And accountability go with that responsibility. And one of those responsibilities is to find talent. You have a job and your job is to provide the most value from your team to the organization, right? To solve the, the company's problems and get done what needs to get done. You do that by finding the right people in the right place. And as a leader, it is your responsibility to keep digging. Why would you hire a B plus player if you can get an A, right? And who gives a crap, you know, race, religion, creed, or anything like that when your goal is clear? Are they, are they, do they have the intellectual horsepower? Do they have the work ethic? Can they get us where we need to get? It, you have to find a way, and it's difficult to remove that inherent um, unconscious bias that you might have. And everybody has it. I love the yeah. story about the Google developers, the YouTube developers couldn't understand why 20% of their videos were upside down, being uploaded upside down until the day that they figured out that left-handed people were holding the phone the other way. The unconscious bias of being right-handed, they don't hate left people or everything against them, but it never occurred to them that that, you know, being left-handed. You have to remove that sort of unconscious bias and it's difficult. Mm -hmm 
do it by starting at the ground level. What value can they add and start working? And then find those people in your organization. The second half of that is giving them the opportunity. One of the things that I like to do as a leader is to go within the organization, find somebody and give them a job to do directly. I need you to, you know, make sure widget A gets to spot B. Can you can you handle that for me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Man. Let me go do that. It gives them exposure. It gives them opportunity. It gives them challenge. Um, something they might not get if you st stick in a purely hierarchical sort of pass the work down. And for those seasoned leaders, even me today, I mean, I've, I've got to fight against the lack of diversity. I've got to be intentional about creating it, ensuring that, that I have it. Because we all gravitate to comfort, and that's almost always in the opposite direction of diversity. And, and not just skin color, national origin, sex, political leanings, whatever. It can also be generational diversity. I can tell you one of the nice things in my position in life right now offers me that my father-in-law offers me advice from the front end of the boomer generation. My peers like, like Jim uh, give me Generation X advice and humor. My son's advice as a millennial and my second daughter's device or, or advice as a as a generation Y, that diversity makes for better decisions. And even in my household, I search that. I agree. I love that. I love that because um, yeah, it's these inherent biases that we need to overcome. And in my opinion, not that I'm the subject matter expert here, but to be an effective leader, you have to first understand yourself um, and know your shortcomings and work on them so that you can effectively help your team. So I, I think that's great. I'd like to build on that. You know, knowing your shortcomings is difficult, right? Everybody has blind spots, but leadership is part of that growth journey where you recognize that blind spot and then you effectively, you know, manage around it or manage with it to become better. So many leaders stop their journey or, or stopped in their tracks because they don't grow. They aren't, as Randy said, take that feedback and learn from their blind spots. Yeah. No, Every exactly. level needs it. Well, level. gentlemen, um, this has been great. I will say that um, the two of you, this topic has garnered more questions than I have ever fielded before. <laughs> we definitely didn't get to everybody. So thank you so much. So this topic was um, definitely, it resonated with a lot of people. Um, it was a good conversation to have. And honestly, we could, as, in this day and age, we can elaborate on this so much. Um, so I want to thank you uh, for both of your perspectives. And I want to encourage everyone to listen in to your podcast. Um, so if one of you want to give like a 10 second little elevator pitch on what it is, when it is, that would be great. Go ahead, Brandy. You got it. Bro. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to, <laughs> no, we're going to be, it's called, uh, it's called lost and found uh, leadership. It's on Podbean, and uh, we'll have our first episode out probably in the next week. Um, but uh, Jim and I are, are working through that now. And uh, you are more than welcome to join. You know, leadership is about uh, courage and patience. And we're going to talk on all these topics. We're going to dive deep on some really sensitive topics as well. Um, since it's a personal podcast, you know, we can we can get a little more a little more personal in that <laughs> space. We can get edgy. That's right. Edgy. That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, so please join us. I love it. Yeah, yeah, reach out to us, but it'll be, uh, it's Lost and Found Leadership on Podbean. Great, well, thank you again. And uh, just a reminder, if we didn't get to your questions today, they will either be addressed in our blog, um, human, it's H-U-M at sign, 
N, and you'll find that on the Simeo website, or uh, we'll reach out to you directly. So again, thanks, gentlemen. Join us next week um, as we elaborate on our SIAM conversation from the previous week. Um, again, it will be on Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Have a nice day, guys. See you guys.